Hello, welcome back. Uh, Happy New Year, 2022. This is Adam Rosen. You're listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. So, um, full disclosure, because I don't want to um, uh, mislead you by the title talking about robotics, that I'm going to give you all these little uh, details, tips, and pearls on how to do robotic surgery, uh, because um, we haven't got it in our hospital. Um, so, you know, a little bit of this is me venting, but I've had a lot of experience. Um, in the cadaver lab, and I, you know, I've done um, a lot of work on the back end attempting to get it in. So I know a bunch about it, and I just want to share, you know, some insights because, you know, I believe robotics are here to stay. Um, but I don't want you know young surgeons to have a uh, misunderstanding of the importance of robotics or the importance of not knowing how to do a manual total knee. Uh, and I, I think a lot of this comes back to when I started doing navigation, um, you know, back in 05, 06, that, you know, I did a lot of navigation in the beginning, and I learned a lot by doing it. Um, I learned, you know, a lot of real-time information and data, my tendencies, and I was able to um, use what I was seeing on the screen, I believe, to help make me a better surgeon. Uh, but it is interesting, because when you talk about robotics, I mean, six, seven years ago, six years ago, um, you know, when Stryker purchased Mako, I was really interested in getting Mako in. And, and for, you know, the obvious reasons, you know, one, it was cool. It's interesting. It's a robot. You know, two, it's publicity. It's advertising. It brings patients in the door. And I think that is a big portion and component. Um, when you talk to people, you know, I think it's almost like the anterior posterior battle in the hips, right? You get the anterior surgeons that do it and love it and they swear by it and they, they try to, you know, convert every posterior surgeon over to the anterior. And you can find a study that shows that it's better and you can find a study that shows that it's not. And you can find a study that shows that this complication is higher. So the biggest thing is whatever you do and however you do it, do it well. So if you do anterior, do it well. If you do posterior, do it well. Um, but don't switch just because until someone proves that it is 100% better, it is just a different way of doing things. And, and that's sort of the same thing with robots. You know, you can find a study that shows this robotic surgery outcomes are better, and this one the same, and this one is not better. So you can find all of that information. Um, the thing that I've always thought would be interesting with robotics, which, you know, hasn't really come to play yet and you may have heard me talk about it a little bit before, is that the data that's collected with robotics um, is so much as far as information. And if we can collect the preoperative data and the intraoperative data, and then the postoperative data, the patient-reported outcomes, and then funnel that into some type of deep mind thinking, augmented or um, artificial intelligence, this, I believe at some point, hopefully in the near future, if someone takes the time and the effort and spends the money to do this, is we will know, and this is where I think robotic surgery, whether or not the robot cuts the, you know, the, the knee or you do it with your hand, but some type of augmented reality or robotic um, surgery will allow you to know, do I cut this femur in three degrees, four degrees, five degrees, six degrees of varus or valgus, seven degrees of valgus. You know, do I cut the tibia at zero? Do I cut it in a degree of varus? Do I cut it in a degree of valgus? And knowing that information will be key. I always say it's sort of like a, a chess um, system that if you play chess at all, if you go online and use the chess engine, 
you know, if there's a move that's played, it will tell you, you know, what the best next move is. And if you make a move, it'll let you know that was a blunder. Um, and this is the same thing I think that robotic surgery can offer us in the future, whether or not, again, you're doing it with augmented reality and you're seeing it and you're just making the cut because it's telling you that you have to be at, you know, four and a half degrees of valgus, not five, or you want to cut it, you know, 1.25 degrees of varus, and you can dial that in on a jig, or you can use the saw to cut it for you with the robotic arm, but it's going to let you know that based on the patient's height, weight, range of motion, deformity, anatomy, it's going to let you know that based on looking at thousands of other knees and the patient reported outcomes, that patients like this do better if you cut it like this. And they also do better if you balance it like this. You know, it's one of the things I teach is that, you know, if you have a really tight knee, tight jointed person, the other knee's tight, their elbows are tight, their shoulders are tight, their hips are tight. If you leave that knee loose, more often than not, I find those patients don't like it. It feels unstable. It feels loose. They have swelling. Whereas if you take a little, you know, a little old lady who's a little loosey-goosey and you tighten her up and you put her collaterals on a lot of tension, she hates it. It's painful. It's sore. It pulls. So... That is the art of medicine. It's the art of surgery. And again, if you funnel everybody into this mechanical alignment philosophy and you cut every knee at five degrees of valgus and every tibia at 90, if you do the same philosophical thought process with a robot and you don't really think about each individual patient, I'm not sure that you're going to get better outcomes. But I do think it's important because... If you're in training, if you're a resident or you're a fellow, you know, I do believe that you should have access to robots, whether or not it's Mako, whether or not it's Rosa, whether or not it's Velis. Um, and I think it's useful. I haven't spent any time with Velis, um, but I spent a little bit of time with Rosa and a little bit more time with Mako. So I have some understanding of the workflow and the system. And um, they're very interesting. You know, I, I really like the idea. So for me, I can do a lot of stuff with my hand and I may fiddle and, you know, it's just based on a look or a feel, you know, I add a half a degree here, a millimeter here. Um, sometimes it's hard to teach that, you know, with a saw and with a robot and a screen, I think in a teaching setting, if someone says, you know, cut one more degree of slope, you can really see what slope you cut, what you were aiming for and what you cut after you recut or what the arm gave you and what it looks like in balances. And if you're tight and you modify things and add a little bit more slope, you know, what that does. And you can also see balancing in the sense of, you know, I'm sure many of you have had the experience where you've picked up a knee and you thought, oh, it feels pretty good. And then your attending picks it up. Eh, I don't like it. I'm going to do X, Y, Z, you know, modify this, release here, cut there. I feel, and you feel and you go, oh, so you feel that it's better. But the hard part is, why didn't you feel that it wasn't good when you first picked it up? It felt good to you initially, but it feels better. So you can recognize that it's better now. And by looking at a screen, I think a lot of people will be able to see those numbers and have an assessment. Oh, that's what a millimeter feels like. Oh, this is why it's looser on the medial side and tighter on the lateral side. Ah, okay. I see it and I feel it. And you can put a number to it. And hopefully that may ingrain that information in your head versus just saying, yeah, don't, don't you feel it? You can't see it um, because there's no quantifiable data. Also, it's in front of you. And also, if you're trained in these, when you come out and get a job, you know, I guarantee that if you're a good candidate and the person next to you is a good candidate and you have zero ro robotic training and they have robotic training and fellowship, they're more likely to get the job. Just the other reason I think, you know, many places like us, you know, part of our, our, our mantra 
is research and education. You know, and I, I think robotics does both of those. It's, it allows for research and it educates. Um, but a lot of, you know, healthcare systems are looking at the financial cost and you get into the point where, okay, you prove to me that our patients, you know, will have better outcomes. Well, it's hard to prove that, right, at this point in time. And it's, you know, really hard to show, you know, 5, 10, 15 year data with robotics that are not out for that long. And you don't have, you know, long prospective randomized studies to prove that with statistical significance at this point at that duration. You can see, show early term um, results. And the question is then, you know, does it bring in more patients? And it's interesting because the companies all sell in different ways, right? They're, they'll say, oh, you know, it's, it's, you need it for marketing and the hospital down the street just bought two, so you need some or you're going to lose market share. Well, you know, if you're busy, there may not be any room for additional business. So some people, you know, in hospitals look at it and go, well, why do we need it? We're already full. Um, so we don't need to bring in more patients and we're not afraid to lose it to the hospital down the street. Um, other places will say, oh, it'll make you more, you know, more accurate. Well, I always ask, like, if you're not accurate, why aren't you accurate? And you better find ways to fix that. And then the other thing becomes, a, you know, marketability. I find many patients, you know, come in asking for robotics. It's a lot easier to go, yeah, sure. Yeah, we have robots. Sure. We'll do a robotic knee for you. It's a lot harder and longer of a discussion to explain to patients why you don't have it and why you don't feel it's necessary for their knee and why you still believe that they're going to have a good outcome. It's a longer discussion. Um, and, and some patients, you know, they don't care. Some patients aren't interested, don't even know about it. But I do think it's important to know it. But I also think it's important for you to know how to do it without a robot. And that's my fear going forward is that you're seeing, you know, a lot of people come out of training. They've done a ton of IMHSs for intertrochs and they haven't done a DHS. You know, DHS is bread and butter orthopedics. So if you have a stable intertroch with arthritis, you know, most joint surgeons are like, don't put an IMHS in because now I got to convert it. You buggered up the abductors. It takes forever to get the nail out. Longer blood loss, longer surgery. Put a DHS in. I can take it out in six months and convert them to a hip replacement once the fracture is healed. And that's my fear, though, with robotics. I think some places you might see so many robotic surgeries that you don't get the reps on the manual surgeries. And why is that an issue? Well, you can look at a screen, but if you're fixated on the screen and you're fixated on the numbers and you're fixated on the robot and you're fixated on the arm, you may miss the whole picture in front of you. You may miss looking at the anatomy. You may miss looking at how the knee feels in your hands. And you're gonna miss out on some of that art of the training of surgery. And then at some point, the robot's gonna break down. It's gonna shut down. A tracker's gonna come loose. Some mechanical issue, electronical issue is going to happen, or the patient didn't get the CAT scan and they got moved up, or the robot's in the other room and your partner was using it. So something is going to happen where you need to do manual knees. So you still need to know how to do a manual knee, and you have to know how to do a manual knee well. And I think it's important to know how to do a manual knee well and then add in robotics. And then I bet you when you go back to doing manual knees, you'll be even better at doing manual knees. But then you can pick and choose when you do robots. And if you want to do a robot all the time, great. And those few times where the robot breaks down, you know exactly how to do the manual knee. And if something looks off, you know, we always said, even with navigation, garbage in, garbage out. So if something's off with the CAT scan, if something's off with the tracker, and, you know, the computer screen's giving you something, and maybe you cut it, and it just doesn't look right, you can't believe that it's okay to leave it that way. 
you know, oh, does it really feel right? It looks like they're in Varus. It looks like they're in Valgus. It's, you know, but, but the screen looks okay. You know, it's telling me that I'm straight, telling me my mechanical alignment's perfect. You got to know when the data that you're seeing on the screen is not correct because you don't want to leave the operating room. And I think if you don't have enough of the manual need training, you may miss out on seeing or observing those nuances and knowing when not to trust the computer and knowing when to bail and go back to a manual instrument. So for me, um, honestly, I hope um, in the near future that um, our hospital um, brings in um, one or more of the robots. I do think it would be an interesting um, tool for me because I do like to tinker and I'm really interested in all those numbers. Um, again, like you may have heard me talk about in the other thing, I'm, I'm definitely more interested at this point in augmented reality. Um, I like using the saw in my hands, you know, it, uh, doesn't tire me out. Um, I like to kind of, you know, make subtle modifications. It's sort of my artful way of doing knees and, you know, I try to match people's anatomy. It's sort of like a blend between, you know, manual and kinematic and measured resection sort of all in one. Um, you can do that with a robot, but for me, you know, being able to visualize it, you know, dial it in on a jig, cut it, see it, um, you know, and then kind of fine tune it at the end. Uh, I do believe that might be the way to go in the future, especially as more and more surgeries go to outpatient centers. It's so much easier to grab your goggles, put them in a little, you know, briefcase, take one little set over the surgery center and sterilize it, as opposed to like, how are you going to bring the whole robot from here to there? Like you can't put it in, you know, in your backpack and carry it across the street from the hospital to the surgery center. So, you know, as far as moving it from room to room, OR to OR, location to location, augmented reality is a whole lot better. But I do believe in the next two, three, four years, I think you're going to see the data that you get with augmented reality catch up to what you get um, with a lot of the modern day um, robots. But what I really, really hope to see, so all of you young surgeons that are listening is really, really try to work on getting that preoperative data, intraoperative data, and patient-reported outcomes. And that's going to be the interesting thing in two, three, four years once you get tens of thousands of knees is to go back and reassess that information and figure out, okay, all the patients that were happy, this is what we saw pre-op and intra-op. And all the patients that were not happy, this is what we saw pre-op and intra-op. So the computer can then start to not just give you numbers and degrees, but actually start to predict for a particular patient based on their anatomy and based on their deformity and based on the disease pattern as to what the best numbers are that we should be aiming for as far as rotation, alignment, balancing, sizing, all of those different things. And I, I think once we can figure that out, you're going to take that 20% dissatisfaction rate. And I would say best case scenario, if we can get that down to 5% dissatisfaction rate, I mean, that would be a home run. I'm not sure you're ever going to get 100. But you know, if you could get 95% of people having total knees to be extremely happy with the outcome, you know, I think that's a home run. And, and anything better than that, you know, you, you're a genius that uh, you should win the Kappa Delta Award, our sort of Nobel Prize of, of orthopedics, because, you know, if you can get us into that 98, 99%, there's something that you figured out that the rest of us couldn't. So um, just my two cents, you know, hopefully in the next year or so I can get back to you with robots and my little tips and pearls on how I do robotic surgery. Um, or possibly, hopefully, how I do augmented reality surgery. Uh, but in the meantime, sticking with my, uh, my manual stuff, and uh, I will uh, keep feeding you information that hopefully will help you um, help your patients and help you become a better surgeon. 
Until next time, I'm Adam Rosen. Thanks for listening. You've been tuning in to the Total Need Tips and Pearls podcast. You've been listening to the Total Need Tips and Pearls podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you'll be notified of future episodes. And please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. Until next time, stay safe.